Welcome to New Type Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we come to you with Gundam Universal Century in a more or less chronological order. Uh, this week we are coming to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I fucked it up. I fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> you, this is how you know. Um, I don't just use like a copy and paste intro each time. Um, yeah, yeah, we have not recorded in like three months either. So you might be rusty. It's been a hot minute, hasn't it? It's been a hot minute. All right. Resume. This time we're coming to you, or this week, we're coming to you with uh, our introduction to uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Zeta um, and episodes one and two. So uh, we finished 0083 and um, we're moving on to Zeta now. Yeah, this is the next thing chronologically. Chronologically. Yeah. Aside from some manga, which I'll probably be slipping in um, here and there, um, Shars. Uh, deleted affair and things like that um but i'll allude to some of that stuff as we talk throughout the series um all right so we have scotty p lane told me once that scotty was a girl's name and he could prove it <laughs> and luke i don't I, i've never had anyone tell me luke is a girl's name so you know yeah this is this is our first series with a uh, female protagonist Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. It might be the only one in in, in Gundam. <laughs> but no, there's so many manga like we could have done that I think for me the wanting to move on wanting to move on to this was we'd be two more years talking about manga. There's so much stuff that's set in between that yeah. in that four year fictional gap. Roughly four years. Well you think about how much content was just in the one year war, and I get that, that was a bigger a bigger set piece, but Goddamn, there's a lot of content. Yeah, and mm -hmm. and just so you're wondering, if you're wondering, um, unlike 0083 uh, and parts of the original series, we are not doing the manga with this one. So we will not be doing Zeta Define. Um, we may read it every once in a while, and we may have personal opinions on it, and may even bring it up if we're reading it, but we are not going to read it and go along with it like we did with 0083 because that was hard. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't even know if it's finished. It might be finished. It's not finished. Okay, it's not. Well, that doesn't help either. Yeah. We've done well, a couple I mean, of yeah. Thunderbolt and 0083. My, my grandkids will get to see the end of the Universal Century, I hope. That's my hope. It's it's uh, it's like wrestling. It's just going to keep going on and on, or days of our lives. It's just, it's never going to end. Well, like, by the time by the time my daughter has, you know, a family of her own, they'll probably finish all of the, like... Zeta and maybe double Zeta manga. Maybe. We'll see. Well, maybe. here's the real question. Do you think that the uh, final Evangelion remake movie will be out by then? No. I started watching those. I think I, I think I might have been in high school when I watched 1.11 or whatever it was. Yeah. it's It's been a while since the even the th third one came out. Third one's the most recent one, right? Three dot three three. Yeah, I watched that at your place, and it was several places ago from where you are now. And it wasn't even new when we watched it. It was like it had already been out for a year or two at that point. Uh, no, no, I think it had been out a few months. Oh. All right, so let's get started. Right. So Zeta Gundam was made in 1985. Started airing in March and. That means in the fictional calendar, we are in 0087, and it is also March. 
So that's kind of convenient. So this starts in March of 0087. And so then if you do think back to 0083, which is kind of ends near the end of 0083, you more you it looks like a four year gap. It's closer to three. Yep. So question is that that's just how they did it originally. Was it was 1979, it's 0079. Oh, it's 1983, it's 0083. That's just what they did, right? Well, 0083 was made after Zeta. And I'm Zeta. sorry, not 0083. I meant whatever year, whatever year this was. Well, no, not quite, because it was 1985, and they set this in 0087. Well, that immediately blew a hole in that theory. Never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it. I think it starts to work again at the end of Double Zeta. Um, I feel like that may be on purpose, you know, because the first one was 1979, they had 0079. Maybe they purposely thought let's not make that a thing i don't know that's me speculating so this is here's the thing with zeta if you watch this show and only kind of pay attention it punishes the living shit out of you for doing that this is tomino at his most tomino in this regard you want exposition fuck you Pay attention to everything everyone says, even if they are a background character. There's your exposition. Um, you want to learn people's names? Sometimes we're not going to tell you for multiple episodes. The movie actually makes a few points to work on that. Which <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we did say it that one time after you've seen them for the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it's it's full of things like that. You don't even know what the name of the suit that Quattro Bagina is flying for several episodes. Right. I think the main, like one of the main antagonists that they introduced in like the very first episode, I, I think they haven't said his name yet. Which it's one? entirely possible. Jared? No, they say his name. They say his name. In the first couple episodes? Yep. Yeah, because they you hear it a few times. They're talking about how shitty of a pilot he is. Yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah, I proved your point, Scotty. Well, I mean, but that's exactly it. the The first time I watched this show, I gave up at episode six. The second time I watched it, I gave up at episode three. The third time, I gave up on episode thirteen or fourteen, and the fourth time, I finally watched it all the way through. And it took me years to just get through it, and it's because of the attention it required. And where I was in my life and all of that. So now this is going to be my fourth full watch through of it. I don't know how that happened. Um, <laughs> this, thanks, I mean, this is a hard uh, show to watch. It, I yeah. mean, not from like, it's fun to watch. I, I enjoy it, but it's, there's a lot, like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, as it goes along, I'm not going to dwell on this too much more. As it goes along, it's not like turn A where, it kind of sucks you in and the narrative really continues logically because that demands the same thing, like paying very close attention. G Reco does too, like to the insane hard mode. Um, so this one isn't quite as deep as those with, with this, but it's still pretty rough with that. And then there are stretches of episodes that are just like, I think they were there to fill parts of the season. It, some episodes have battles, for the second half or a third of them. And you really just know the only reason they are having a battle is because sunrise and Bandai wanted them to have a battle to show the 
model kits that kids could go and get. Um, so there are some parts that kind of drag because of that. Overall, it's a very good show. Uh, I I always have wanted something kind of in between the TV series and the very condensed to almost a impossible to follow degree movies. I, um, yeah. So when I was first trying to do like a burn through watch of Universal Century, I watched the three Gundam movies and then I started to watch the Zeta movies and I watched the second movie and I had no clue what was happening by the end of the second movie. I didn't even, I still have not to this day watched the third movie yet um, because I basically just had to say, nope, screw this. I've got to go and actually watch the show to understand what's happening here. Like, and not just read like a cliff notes of like the difference between the show and the series. Yeah. This is not like mobile suit Gundam. You can't watch the movies and, and get it. Not to mention the end of the last movie isn't, um, I don't know. I'm not going to bring up the C word, uh, but it would invalidate several shows that come after it. So yeah. take that as you will. Um, so uh, what I wanted to do was start this out. Let me give a little bit of the exposition that the show will not give you directly. It will after a few episodes, after you've been paying attention, screw that. Here's a couple of notes that will help you. Your main character, his name is Camille Bidon. He's a teenager. His parents work as engineers for the Earth Federation developing mobile suits. He has gone to the colony Green Noah One with them. Green Noah One is in a cluster of colonies called Green Oasis at side two. There is also, excuse me, I'm sorry, side seven, because it's around Luna Two. So we're at side seven. And it was not moved in the colony reclamation project. Um, and uh, there is also a Green Noah 2. And uh, so Green Noah 1 is the more residential colony in Green Oasis. Green Noah 2 is a Titan's military base. And there are Titan's installations on uh, both. But Green Noah 2 really is like a military industrial, uh, kind of like a factory colony almost. Yeah, it is. And if you don't remember, the Titans were the group that were formed after the the Operation Stardust disaster, um, where they basically came out with like a uh, Zeon hunting uh, offshoot of the military. So think of like, uh, you know, how like the Marines are part, supposed to be part of the Navy. Um, now the titans are part of the federation military but they're also like a completely separate and distinct unit yeah i think yeah. we saw um when we saw them previously we saw like the initial formation of them like right at the start and then by this point none of the original people show up from like the formation of the titans well you still have basque um who shows up in the first he's he's, he's it though none of the other characters from the last series though, right they show up eventually not yeah. At the start. yeah like the admirals and stuff like that mm -hmm. they're like in the background yeah 0083 does not put the key leaders of the titans in your face but they're there and they show up again in zeta um not helpfully i think what happens is um so basque you only ever see in 0083 on a ship in uniform and then when you see him here, he's just in a different colored uniform. Yeah. Uh, whereas someone like Jamatov, you see in an Earth Federation uniform, and then in this show, not in that. Um, but that's kind of comes away later. Another way to think of the Titans, if you haven't watched Zeta before, 
and you're listening, um, if you've seen Gundam Wing, if you remember the state of things at the beginning of Gundam Wing, the very beginning, and I know it changes a lot and very fast in that show, but the very beginning of that, you have the United Earth Sphere Alliance, and then you have Oz or the specials, yep. right? And so the Titans are like Oz at the very beginning, and a little bit as they go along, but obviously those are very different uh, shows. Right. And um, that analogy doesn't hold up. So uh, a couple more quick points of exposition, and then I had a couple production notes, and then I will shut up and we'll get to episode one. Um, the other faction that's opposing them is the AUG, which is the Anti-Earth Union Group. Um, according to the English dub, AUG is how you say that. Um, yeah, that's how are, have always uh, known to pronounce it. Yep. They're a space-based anti-Titans faction. Um, now, despite their name, the key point is that they are more anti-Titans or anti-elitists than actually like anti-Earth or really anti-Earth yeah. Federation. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. They're not really anti-Earth. So, so it's a kind of a bad name. Yeah, so from, from my understanding, reading things along, AUG is a mix of uh, former Federation officers that are opposed to the Titans and uh, Zeon remnants, dissidents. Zeon remnants that do not necessarily want to start another Zeon war, but do not, but wants independence for the space noise. So like um, in Char's deleted affair. There's like a handful of factions, right? And the faction that Char was on was the moderate ones that wanted space noid independence, but didn't want another one year war for it. And that's why you see um, group people that support him in AUG as opposed to like, you know, just full on Axis being the same thing as AUG. Yeah. Yeah, which makes the end of the show kind of interesting or tough to follow, depending on what you think of it. Um, originally, they were just a political movement, but eventually they do get into military actions after an incident at Side 1, which the show will get into later. Um, so I don't need to myself. They are led by Blex Forer, who we saw briefly in one of the Gundam Legacy mangas, or maybe it was Thoroughbred. I'm not sure. He made a brief cameo in one of the mangas we talked about a little bit on the show. Yep. Um, He's also yeah. at the very end of Char's Deleted Affair. Yep, that, that would make sense. Uh, so the production of this, if you are watching along with us and you have gotten the Blu-rays from uh, Right Stuff or somewhere and you're going to watch it, I'm going to watch it dubbed just because it makes it easier to take notes. Um, and I can listen. It's, I have to pause it a lot because of the nature of the show, but that's okay. Uh so this has a somewhat interesting story on how it came out over here. They aired uh, Mobile Suit Gundam. And of course that got pulled early due to a combination of low ratings and 9-11. Uh, eventually it all got aired on Adult Swim when that was still kind of a new fledgling thing. They threw the Midnight Run as, up as part of Adult Swim and all that. Uh, the idea was to try to get this out after G Gundam. Uh, and it really didn't go so well. Um, this is, I think, why you don't have any kind of dub of Double Zeta, um, because whereas something like Char's Counterattack, what's that? Official dub. Apparently there's a dub uh, out there somewhere. Sorry, there is an official one uh, as well, uh, but it's not 
I don't think it's exactly easy to get. And there are, I think, lost files, and that's getting into some other thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, for practical purposes, there's no English dub of doubles. Yeah. Uh, we'll just we'll keep it simple and leave it at that, even if it's not factually correct. Um, so this uh, finally, Bandai just dumped it out on DVD in 2004. They wanted to get it on TV, and you know, sometime in 2002 or three, never happened. Uh, they planned this big merchandising blitz that just never happened. It was really like from Gundam Wing. Nothing tells me more that the, making the follow-up Mobile Suit Gundam in America was a mistake more than they couldn't even get Zeta out. Like no one wanted to pick up another Universal Century show that was almost fifty episodes long. All the OVA has gone on Adult Swim. Shark's Counterattack did. This never aired anywhere here. Nowhere. Which, which is strange because how do how. How does Shars Counterattack get aired and make sense to anyone if you haven't seen Zeta or Double Zeta? I didn't care about the plot. It was, hey, cool robot show. It's yeah, on late at night. I, I I gotcha. I agree, but it just yeah. I have a there's there's probably a pretty big percentage of people who just hadn't seen any of it, and that's all they saw. They just saw no sweet. Yeah. Look at this there's this random right. guy that's getting ready to drop an asteroid on Earth. That's that seems, that seems like it doesn't need any further explanation. That's a unique idea. <laughs> <laughs> No one's ever tried that before. Uh, yeah, so came out in 2004 on DVD. Had this big expensive box set. I remember it sitting at the local Best Buy for years and years and years, and I didn't want to buy it because it never went on clearance. And then they released a cheaper version finally a couple years later. Ended up out of print until about 2015. So there was a long time. You, this wasn't super duper easy to get, although the DVDs never got crazy pricey because they made a ton of them. Um, and... The last note is that the music on your official discs, the opening and outro, it's not actually the opening and outro. Um, they just never, they never got the license for the opening and ending songs here. And so, I guess for whatever reason, it's something that they had to license and Bandai didn't just have it. And they never did. Yeah, it was weird because I think the first time I watched it, it was like some random like internet youtube copy that luke sent me a link to and it had like the original um stuff so when i when i started watching it for the show and uh i, I have the blu-rays now i was like wait this is weird why why do i hear robot sounds what what's going on here <laughs> yeah i have to say the orchestra i i didn't know for a long long time that there was any other opening <laughs> so to me, I, like I hear the other opening, I'm like, well, this is a little weird. So I, the real opening. I haven't cracked open Double Zeta yet. Did they license the Double Zeta intro song? Yes. Okay. Good. Good. Oh good. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I I don't know if you. I don't see how you don't. Now that might be one of the. I don't know how the licensing and stuff works with openings. But that's that's half of the right. show right there. Oh, for Double Zeta, yeah, and especially because that's the first opening. So for half the episodes it airs, that's the highlight of the episodes. I know. <laughs> it's so good. I think I think um, that'll be one of the few editing jobs I do whenever we start doing Double Zeta, is we, we will open up with a, a short... Um, Animation. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll open up with a Double Zeta opening. Yeah, I hated that Super Robot Wars used uh, silent voice for all of the 
like attack animations and stuff. It's a, that's which is a good song too, but it's it's just not as catchy. Yeah, yeah, but I digress. <laughs> Get us to episode one. Yeah, one other quick note I had on um, Double Zeta. I was I was reading some information about like the release of it and the translation. So. I'll have to look at this again just to like make sure I get it right. But essentially, we have there's two different translations of it um, because Bandai went out of business at one point, um, and the translation apparently was based off of like a storyboard or something along those lines. So when it went to write stuff and and Nozomi and, and those groups, they basically did a retranslation of Zeta that made more sense. Um, I'd have to find, where is the information? Uh, so what happened is that first big ass box set that I didn't buy, the subtitles were based on the English dub script. Yes. And that is the English dub script. Uh, there is actually a point I have as we get into talking about the first episode. Uh, there's a, a key piece of information that, is totally left out. Um, but Bandai actually did put in correct subtitles starting with the, um, like, it was, like, it was five different two DVD sets that you would buy. So, like, the copies I had had correct English yeah. subtitles, but the dub is still got some inaccuracies. Yeah. So, chances are if you're either listening to the dub or reading the, listening to the Japanese version with subtitles um, and it, it's anything close to modern, then you are good. All right, so let's jump into it. Um, episode one, The Black Gundam. Um, so we open up in outer space. We see a red mobile suit. Um, we don't get the name of it for probably several episodes, but it is the Rick Diaz. Um, and it is a nice-looking suit that in certain certain circumstances just looks like a fat thing with like a Xeon eye, but it actually looks better when it's standing up and not like crouched down. But yeah, it, um, took, it took a couple shots to get a good view of it, but it's, I like it. Yeah. Um, and then we see, uh, we get to meet a guy named Apolly, um, a guy Apoly. named, huh? Apolly. 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 Mm -hmm. uh, and we also get to meet a guy named Roberto and a guy named Quattro Bagina. The, the Roberto dude, I was having flashbacks to um, what was the one? What was the guy? Uh, the um, 0080, what was it? 0080? Mm -hmm. When they broke into the colony, the guy with the mustache is obnoxious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Um, so, again, these, these are all characters that cross over that have been, uh, if you've read any of the previous content, these are people that have been with uh, now Quattro Bagina for a while. Um, so they are flying near a colony. Um, and we see this guy. He looks like Char, but he's not Char because he's wearing a normal suit. And Char never wears a normal suit. But he... Mm, Lala <laughs> told him to. And so he did from then on. Fact. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, so uh, my question is, the first time you see this, and they introduce him as not Char... Do you think anyone was fooled, like not knowing ahead of time? You wouldn't be fooled by the end of the first episode. I know, but when he shows up and they're like, uh, Captain Quattro, and you're like, what? No, that's not Char? And not if you look at his face and, you, yeah, you got the scar and, like, yeah. He it's, didn't have the mask. 
it's it is it's the worst like i they i don't the writing doesn't even try to keep it a secret to the no, no. Does. but camille they, doesn't know it's all they say he looks like the red comet about a hundred times mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and I, I just want to point out before we get too deep into this uh if, if you're familiar at all with octopussy um quattro vagina references exactly what you think it does <laughs> uh, all right so uh we flash to <laughs> back to the colony we or, well not back to we get our first introduction to camille um there is a kung fu class or karate class of sorts and we we see this what is it blue or purple haired kid um running out of the class mm-hmm. and uh he runs into i think it's captain mizune and He's like, what are you doing? And he gives him some bullshit answer. He says he's sick. And this guy just slaps the shit out of Camille. Like, Get used to slapping and punching. There's yeah. a ton. Uh, yeah. Well, we noticed that. We were like, what, two minutes into the first episode, the main character got like He-Man pimp slapped. I mean, holy shit. These guys must be right. Yeah, he smacked him into the air. And he's just <laughs> like, no, sorry, I got to go. Well, These and, guys and, must and- worship Bright. Well, and he, he kind of does because Camille's trying to get to the spaceport to see Bright's shuttle. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, but it's funny. So we, we meet um, – or we don't actually meet her because we don't learn her name for a long time. Uh, but we meet Fa. Um, she is following Camille, yelling his name, and he gets pissed because he's like, don't call my name out loud. I don't want everybody to know my name. I hate my name um, because, you know, Camille's is a girl's name. Um, hence our female lead character. So he goes to the spaceport with her and um, he's biting his fingernails. He gets nagged for it. Um, this is a regular habit of Camille's. Yeah. That is animated several times where he's biting his thumbnail. But it looks like he's sucking his thumb a little bit. Like that's the motion. Like if I was biting yeah. my thumbnail, it's not the way I would do it. I, I just have a note like watching this. Like I hate both of these people right now. Watching the show, like they both suck. My, um, my initial interpretation of Camille was, God, he's worse than Amaro. Oh, definitely, he is. Yeah, and that, and that was within moments of seeing him. Yeah, man, just a quick ranking of of in the first three series, Camille's the worst. Amaro's the second worst, closely until the very end of Mobile Suit Gundam, and then um, Judo is just fantastic. <laughs> Judo is. Judo is this, the brightest spot on all of the terrible Gundam pilots. And uh, I have to say, I think Camille gets some good character development. He does. He does. He really does. They they have a very not always smart and not always maybe respectful by 2020 standards. But um, I like his character arc. You know, they, they, he gets treated pretty well. Yeah, yeah. He gets redemption. Um, I mean, and so does Amaro at the end of the day. Um, all right. So um, Camille has a, a quick little new type flash, and he sees three lights, um, which, you know, are, are three pilots that we've seen one. And then we go quickly to Quattro, um, and he has a new type flash as well. And he's like, wait, is that is that Lala or Amaro? Um and he's like confused. He's like, "What is this?" I, I get similar vibes. Um, so they, they start yeah, having. know it's a sequel. They start having um, like new type flashes constantly at this point. 
like back and forth constantly throughout the, the first couple episodes. And um, it's important to note, I'm pretty sure Tamino said that out of the entire series, Camille is the strongest new type. Yeah, that makes sense, I think. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting if you contrast like how the original series treated new types versus Zeta treats the new types. It is like you don't go deep into space magic from the beginning, uh-huh. but you like it's there from the very beginning. Whereas in uh, Gundam, it's more of like they build up to it and it finishes off like you know. It took a long time. It involves yeah. in space, basically. Yeah, uh, just based on how Camille ends up interacting with the biosensor in the actual Zeta Gundam, especially by the final episodes. Yeah, boy is the strongest new type in this show. I think it's by a a big margin. Um, if, and, and also for for Char to pick up on him like this, just. It's- outside of the colony um you know and then we see in double zeta uh, uh Bicha is in the in the zeta a lot rue gets in there and none of them have the kind of success and just yeah. overwhelming kick ass that camille ends up having in it is there a novelization of zeta like there is for the regular gundam series i haven't heard of it there being I, I don't believe so yeah i know they have one for char's counterattack and things along a few other series but yeah, yeah. There's like Bell Torchica's children, and like Unicorn was an adaptation of a novel. So yeah. as we get into some things, and Hathaway's Flash is coming out, that's an adaptation of source material, which is a novel. Yep. So that's that man. That's close. That's almost that's a month or two from now, theoretically. Yeah, I think there's just just the manga. It's it's not going to happen, guys. We all know that it's not. The movie theaters aren't open right now. <laughs> yeah. It would not bother. It would not bother me to have that released digitally. That would, yeah, be, would not. That would be one I would pay for. Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah. yeah, and and are they still? Yeah, they're still planning on it being multiple movies. So, all right. Um. Yep. Yeah, so we learned that Camille wanted to see the Temptation, which is Captain Bright's ship at this point. Um. It was supposed to dock, but it already docked by the time he got there. Um. And then Camille. Um, starts his rough ride with fate by running into um, a Titan guy. Um, they don't say this guy's name, do they? I don't know if they do right off the bat. Yeah, I don't, don't think they do. Um, so this this Titan officer mocks... Uh, he, he overhears Faw calling uh, Camille's name, and he's like, what is that? Oh, that's a guy? Oh shit! That's a girl's name. What's what's that guy doing? He's got a girl's name. I mean, well, basically, he hears a girl's name, and that he turns around because he's got a military base, and he's like, "Oh, girls! Uh, 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 it's just a, it's just a wimpy boy." Uh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he gets so Camille just like this is his trigger. <laughs> he goes nuts and punches the dude out. He um, then, room, hops a turnstile and punch and like space punches the guy in the face. Um, yeah, he's like apologize and then gives him no chance to apologize. <laughs> he like goes nuts. Like he does pretty good. He's like taking on probably this four is, or five guys. Clearly, at this point. clearly not the first time this has happened to him, <laughs> and it is not the last time this happens. I think in the episode. 
<laughs> yeah, he he gets some good punches in though. Um, in the end, he gets taken down, beaten up, knocked yeah. out by getting kicked in the head and arrested. Yeah, so the there's a point where he's getting kicked in the face and being held down. That um, all I can think of now is you ever seen that episode of South Park where they go to Aspen and there's that dude that's like Stan Marsh, more like Stan Jersh. And like that's all I can think of when Jared's <laughs> kicking him, and he's like, "You got a girl's name, Camille." It's it's just so funny, like, and th- and it's kind of like I think hints into like his new type abilities that he's able to take on like several trained soldiers, despite the fact that he went to karate class in high school, um, <laughs> which he just skipped. So. Yeah, they, they called it they called it training. It was almost like he was at like a military academy or something like that. Was that a military academy or was it just a regular they, school? They never really say, I don't think, but I would assume that just... Well, the guy who stopped him, he addressed him as, like, captain or something. Yeah. Like yeah. Well, his dad is a, is a lieutenant, right? Both his parents work for the Earth Federation. Yeah. So both- I wouldn't be surprised if it's, like, a military base. Like, school. Hmm. Yeah. They don't say, though, I don't think, at any point. Um, so... We're going to take a break from Camille for a little bit and move over to Quattro Bagina. Um, He he breaks into the colony. um, And one of the weirdest scenes to me, um, the Rictius finger pops down and it jizzes all over these mechanics and locks them down like spider web kind of stuff. Um, it's, It's fucking weird. I would build all of my mobile suits around that feature. Like that is like that's the starting point for all of my mobile suits. So the the uh, interesting story beat of this is that this whole thing is really an echo of Char's infiltration of Side Seven and yep. Mobile Suit Gundam. And what you're seeing here is a more mature, wiser Char because. He is basically making those guys get stuck, but he's not just like, kicking them out into space anymore or anything. And he's saying, hey, save your oxygen for when they come and find you. Hopefully they do. Now he's still a little bit like he's not going to help them too much, but at least he didn't kill them. So yeah. Some development. Um, so, yeah, th- there's at least that. So there's a reason that they do that. And and this time he's he's sneaking in by, you know, he puts like a, I don't know, a little key card yeah. thing up to stuff. And, um, you know, there, but another little echo of it is when he puts on his jetpack when he gets out of the Rick Diaz you know, to go into this colony um, on foot. And as he's going in there, you get some of that exposition by dialogue. So, like, you learn that Char is able to sneak in because the colony public corporation was training people near that airlock. So that's who those guys were. But you learn this from just dudes talking that are looking at security cameras. Like, um, And then the colony is called Green Noah 2, which gets referred to as Grips. And this is something that in the English dub... They never address. No. Nope. The subtitles do. Interesting. Um, so in the English dub, as he gets into the colony and he starts going around his jetpack, he says something like... Uh, I don't, I don't remember what he leads with, but well, I might as well call it grips. 
<laughs> and it doesn't it's not really like a good reason yeah um, and and then when you watch the subtitles it says with all the smog i might yeah. as well call it grips and i i still don't quite get it but i don't get it either but reason. yeah so when i so i started watching the um the anime show i'm watching it in, in english like you are but for the same reason because it's easier to take notes while you're while it's in english but um when i watched the first 20 minutes of the movie I was watching it in Japanese, and yeah, I was like, "Oh, well, there's a nice little explanation that doesn't make sense, but at least it's an explanation." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's one of those things that, like, the first time I watched it, I missed it, and they keep talking about grips, and I'm like, "What the fuck are they talking about?" Yeah, every episode about grips. What is grips? What is that? Is that a dude? Is that another faction? I I was so lost, but that's ancient history. Now, one thing uh, you mentioned the movie. In the movie, you go straight from. You know, the space scene with all them and it doesn't break it keeps on yeah working. and all that stuff with camille that we talk about isn't in it yeah yeah they 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 streamline a lot of things which i agree with very much yeah uh, but you know you do miss out it the whole thing with jared is kind of iconic yeah for for this show and i, I saw something name at this point well, whatever i saw something funny on twitter recently it was like Here's Zeta Gundam if Jared had minded his own business. And it's like has his uh him like you know, looking over at Camille. And then it shows a picture of him like looking back and not like going further with it. And then it just shows the end credits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah. So um Quattro flies around the colony a little bit, takes some pictures with a Polaroid. Um and then as he's turning around to leave, this black uh, Gundam, which we learn is the Mark II, um, starts strafing around him and shooting him, shooting at him. Um, but since Char uh, Quattro sorry, is so small, <laughs> Qu Quattro is Char, is Eduardo, is Casval. Right? I'm not even trying on this. I'm just going to say Char when I want, right. to, when I want um, to. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so this black Gundam's shooting around at him and can't really get to him. Um, and Char, yeah, let's just call him Char. Uh, Char's trying to get out, but he's being pursued. He gets shot in the arm, um, in, in the escape, but it's not like a bad injury. He's still able to, like, knock some guys out and get past him. Um, and get into a suit and get out. Um, and then we see Appley and Ricardo get footage from the new Gundam in a, in a training on a training flight. Roberto. Roberto. Now, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So his real name is Ricardo. You learn this if you, if in, um, uh, I, I, yeah. Fine. So they, they, they replace the name. So Appley is actually Andy and Ricardo or Roberto is Ricardo. How do you get from Andy to Appley? I don't know. I don't know. Um, they actually had a, a third person that was originally going to be with them named. Her name was Jessica, but she went to Jane and then she left. But it's it's a whole thing. It's to me, I'm going to put it. Yeah. Um, but all right. Uh, yeah. So so something that, that it doesn't make very clear here. Um, Apple and Roberto are Green Noah one, which is where Camille and all them are. Uh, Char went to Green Noah two. They're at different colonies, but if you watch the show and don't pick up on that, 
I 100% don't blame you. It's not obvious. No, it's not at all. Um, all right. So they got training footage, uh, or they got flight footage of the Gundam Mark II. Um, all right. So we go back to the colony with Camille, um, and he is handcuffed and being interrogated. Um, this is the first time we actually hear about Ayug where this um, officer is asking Camille if he's a member of AU. He's like, how have you never heard of AU? And Camille's like, ah, dude, I'm just in high school. Um, and we learned that Camille has won some um, like martial arts competitions and um, mobile suit. Yeah, homo, homo Avis. Oh, sorry. Competition. Okay, so. Anyway, a gay hang gliding competition and a junior mobile suit tournament. Yeah. So, so Camille, Camille's not a noob. He's got some, he's, he does have some like physical and mental skills behind him. Um, but we also learned that AUG is this group that is advocating for space noid independence. Um, Titans believe that they're a terrorist organization um, and they're causing problems um, and that Camille should know something about them. Um, and then we, this is where we learned that Camille actually has family that is in the military. So um, Camille is let go, uh, we are told, as a favor to his mother. Um, <laughs> and then Camille gets in another fight almost instantly. <laughs> Doesn't matter why. He just gets into another fight and, and you know. Um, really anyone who he doesn't like what they're saying or their face or, you know. Maybe they breathed a little too hard. I don't know. He just fucking launches into a, into combat with them. Yeah. Early Camille is terrible, Camille. Well, this this MP is still verbally abusing him as he's getting let go. I'll go with yeah. verbally abused to make it sound better. He's just ribbing on him and being yeah. A, he's, look, he's an asshole cop. Okay, he is, right. and, and 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 Camille is a brat at the same time. And so, like, yeah. these people are going to explode when they meet each other. Yep. So uh, Camille's not getting out of that one. Except he does because the entire building crumbles on top of them. Yeah, because Jared sucks at piloting gun. Yeah, literally, literally he, uh, the mobile suit crashes through into the room he's in. Yeah, and, and Camille has the smart reaction to get the fuck away. They know who he is, but, you know, if they can't catch him, they're not going to arrest him again. <laughs> <laughs> he just gang. He ignores his mom on the way out too, and just yeah. He's a rolls faster, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we learn that there are two Mark II units: the Unit Two and the Unit Three. Um, and yeah, Camille ignores his mom and keeps running. And he steals his uh, car and drives away. And we do get a very quick shot right as Camille's driving away of Bright getting into another car. So this is our first kind of bright uh, introduction, uh, although they don't call him out in that scene. You just see him in the car later. Um, and then you watch the movie version, uh, you're hitting the end of episode one's content, and you're like nine minutes into the movie. Yeah, and and in the movie, they don't show Bright getting into the, the other car. Oh. Yeah, they, I, they edit that out. Um, or just don't show enough of the scene that it matters. Th yeah, they don't show him until later when it would really yeah. matter yeah uh but you see camille driving out of the military base driving through like some stuff getting shot at but you know that's what i would do too right 
Oh, you uh, know what? They don't they don't show the car at all in the movie. They show him running away, and then the next time you see him, he yeah just, they yeah they kind of cut it at a weird place. They just cut all that out where he has the car and it just yeah just he gets elsewhere in the movie. So we then towards the end of episode one where we we ask uh, we see Quattro and everybody asking the Argama, um, which is the name we're going to come back to later in the series, um, asking for assistance, and so the Argama shoots a giant hole into the colony um, at the very end of the episode, which is different from the movie. I don't think the argument does this at all. It's um, it's Quattro and his people that end up like going and doing that. Like they basically just skip it. Yeah. They just skip the argument there. They just shoot their way in. Yep. Yep. So yeah, the argument blows a hole. You don't actually see that. Well, you do see a quick shot of the argument, I think, but I think, I think it's just a flash. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so on to episode two, the departure. Well, departure, not the departure. Um, so it starts off right where we end up with with a blow, uh, a hole getting blown into the colony, and they make it a little bit wider. One of the things that was it was weird to me with this was in the original show, um, like even in the first episode or two, those holes in the col- colonies are just destructive as all get out. Um, and it doesn't seem to be that way with this hole that they've blown into the colony this time, even though when they go towards the end of the episode to get out of the colony, it is acting like a vacuum. So it just, there's a little bit of like inconsistency with the way they treat holes in colonies here, which is, it's a minor annoyance to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe it on where the mirrors are. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm with you. I agree with you, but it was weird. Like it, it was enough of a difference, like yeah. the, the way they treated the colonies, that it was like, wait a minute. Okay, okay, I get it. It's a TV show. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing, keep in mind, these are newer colonies. Yeah. So there might be some tech they never explain. That's what yeah. I put. In my that's head. what I was thinking. Just like um, with the jizz fingers from the Rick Diaz. Yeah, and they they do make a small hole. It's not a. Like it's big enough for a mobile suit to go through, maybe two, and that's that. Instead yeah. of what we usually see, are very big nuclear exco- explosion caused hole. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, I, I still agree with you. I think it's a strange thing to do, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, um, Quattro senses Camille as Camille is running in the grass and all this oh. stuff. He's like, "Who do I hear breathing?" Um, this is very similar to uh, Lala and Amaro. Uh, but it's not them. He he recognizes that it's not them. Um, but uh, Char sneaks into the colony, um, and they're going to try to take the Mark II. I don't think um, that Char and his group is aware that there are two units of the Mark II at the point. This point, uh, they just want to get the Mark II. Is what they. I think there's three. If I'm not mistaken. Well, there's Unit Two and Three. We never actually as of yet, have heard of Unit 1. We can assume there's a Unit 1. Yeah, but, yeah. But they, they only talk about 2 and 3. Um, yeah, so Jared is a shitty pilot, and he's pretty obstinate about it the entire time. Um, you know, people are chastising him and all this stuff, and um, Bright's kind of, like, cussing him out, and he's like, well, you know, this could be an AUG attack. So at this point, we know Bright is... Uh, 
not with Aoki looks like he is a Federation soldier. So they have slightly different color schemes. So the Federation is still kind of like the Federation brown and black and gold, whereas Aug seems to be, or Titans are more of a black and red and gold type yeah. uniform. So that's one Probably way to swap all of the uh, like like khaki color for black. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, a bunch of GMs began to attack Shar's uh, unit, um, but they're able to handle them pretty quickly. We hear like one of the pilots complaining that these are like old gems um or actually as they call them and they call them gems i like it yeah he calls uh, it an antique yep so yeah. i mean at this point the 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 gms are eight or nine years old look they're we're getting the gm2 soon so yeah. yeah yeah they're they're old and in something in one of the other pieces of material that is in between um everything else in Zeta Gundam, uh, which is a cold du CL, which is not finished and probably never will be. Uh, stop publishing it in America a couple of volumes early, but not much else out there. Uh, yeah, they, they kind of get into gyms being pretty old in that as well. And this new stuff. What year is that? Uh, it stretches from, I think it starts in 084 and the part where the English uh, um, paperbacks dropped it uh, was 0087. Well, they weren't they weren't great to begin with either. They got better. They started out weird. Yeah, well, there's a whole bunch of different variants of the of the GMs, and it seems like sure. they're very software dependent. Um, because there's there's talks where like there's command type GMs that that get put in later. Um, and That's like the stuff we see in like 0083. Yeah, double eighty three, double eighty four, where they get um, they actually take Amro's combat data and put them into the OS. So I guess some of their automated movements are able to be way better and outclass them to things. But these are like old shitty GMs. Well, that was that was part of the reason the Federation kowtowed to Amaro so much, despite him being a shitty brat in the one year war, is that he was feeding the Gundam's computer with all kinds of super fucking valuable combat data. Right. Yep. Right. Um, yeah. So we get our first um, shot of Bask in this show. Um, yeah, he thinks it's Char. He he says, "Who is this? The Red Comet?" I'm like, "Who the fuck is the Red Comet?" This is Quattro Vagina. Uh, <laughs> the, the funny part is, this is a scene that's reanimated in the movie, and Basque's line is something like, "It's not the Red Comet just because the mobile suit's red." Get out of here with that. <laughs> it's funny because this is like the first of like four or five mentions in the show of the Red Comet, or or. Char or something along, along those lines. Yeah, a lot of it um, is like seeing him pilot and they're like, that looks man, he moves like the Red Comet. Yeah, he moves like the Red Comet. This is so weird. This is such a man. Oh, you mean that guy that looks exactly like the Red Comet piloting a red mobile suit like the Red Comet is moving like the Red Comet? They can't see him. They can't mm. see him. Um, yeah, so they start fighting inside the, like, the residential area of the colony or basically anywhere in the colony that they can. Um, there's explosions everywhere, and then we see Fa um, get uh, her mom in a car. Um, I think we actually learn her name at this point. Um, 
episode two, after we've seen her like a handful of times, we learn that her name is Fa. Uh, we don't know her last name yet. Uh, this, is first, this is the first time we see her in the movie. Yeah. That's why she's going to her mom's house. You have no idea who it is. Too. Why she matters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she gets her, her mom in a car and then she like stops in the middle of the road and is like, oh, I'm going to check on Camille. You go ahead. Um, and she goes to Camille's house. Um, and then we go back to Camille on the base and like, he just runs past these guards and they're like, ah, it's okay. That's, uh, that's Lieutenant Franklin's son. He's, he's cool. That's Camille. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, this is, I didn't mention this with bright earlier, but in the English dub, oh, bright is rough in this show because not even getting in, like ignoring British bright entirely. Okay. No, the, the two. Uh, I know. I love British Bright. I wish they'd kept him, but um, <laughs> I, but I will say so. The the typical English voice actors for uh, Bright. It used to be Chris Calhoun. So he is Bright in the uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, like the Toonami dub, in a lot of the video games that came out then in Char's Counter Attack. Um, yeah. So like. That was Bright's voice. And then in the more recent shows like Origin and Unicorn, you have Christopher Corey Smith, and they sound pretty similar. Like you can you can pick out a difference if you try, but like they, they sound like it, I, it's one of those things I didn't even know it was a different voice actor until I looked it up. I was just like, well, it's been so many years, so he must sound different. But in Zeta, the English dub is done by Dave Kelly, and he doesn't sound like those dudes. And it, it's jarring every time I hear Bright start to talk in Zeta because it's not his voice. I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on it, but that's exactly how I felt when, when, whenever Bright popped on. I was just like, this isn't, and I thought it was because he wasn't British, and I'm like, no, that's not it. But it, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's the only time that voice actor Dave Kelly voices Bright Noah in anything Gundam. That's one thing. That's one thing I don't like about the dubs of. Uh, Gundam stuff. Not that I, I'm not a huge fan of dubs anyway, but like the voices are all over the place, man. Yeah, they're better now, but like, yeah, yeah, and especially because of the gap between like Origin and Unicorn and everything else, and and every like so everything changed uh-huh. in between them from you know the standpoint of producing a Gundam show in America, uh-huh. dubbing it. So, yeah. Yep. So, um, at least it's not Funimation. We don't have Piccolo in this show. <laughs> Look, I'm glad the dude gets work, but he, he just sounds the same and everything. <laughs> so we meet Lieutenant Machine. Um, she shows up to pilot the Unit Three, uh, but Camille has other plans. He's going to run up to this this mobile suit and jump in it instead. Um, and we learned that he knows how to pilot it anyway because he stole some documents from his dad. Yeah, he stole the manuals from his... Like, they couldn't have made this more of a, hey, look, he's basically Amaro if they tried. Yeah, so so the original Mobile Suit Gundam, I don't think... He just, like, read the manual while he was, like, piloting it, right? Well, yeah, there, were a couple, there were a couple inter, uh, interpretations of it, like, depending on what you watch. Like, he just jumped in and knew how to do it. Right, right. Origin, he actually, like... He really like sat there and like read through all of the manuals and stuff. Yeah, o- Origin is a bit more like what Camille has done here. Yeah. Right, it's only implied with Camille. You're not shown him doing that. Right. But, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure if we read Define, that we would get like a few scenes of that. 
another version altogether. Yeah, that's probably. I haven't weird. read it. I don't know. I just, yeah, I haven't touched it yet. I, I might. I might start reading it soon. The art looked weird, so I was like, eh. um, yeah. So <laughs> he sees the officer that interrogated him earlier and thinks, man. What do I need to do but jump into a mobile suit to murder this motherfucker? <laughs> and laugh about it. Yeah. picking on him. Yeah. Um, of course, Bright's like, no, stop. What are you doing? Don't. What, why are you taking this suit? Stop. Stop it. Um, and then uh, Camille sees the red suit and he's like, man, that's like the red comet. Because only red, only one person can pilot a red suit. It's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, only one person does. And, and what's really funny is um, there's apparently there's only a handful of black suits too, um, and those were all piloted by the black tristars. Um, another you, like what about, what about like the the doms and stuff? Aren't they black? Are they? The, yeah, those rictiuses are black. Yes. Funny thing though. One of those, one of one. Actually, I think both of no. One of them actually piloted one of the Black Tristar's original suits, and oh. Charles deleted a fair. It was weird, but and that's why I say like all the black suits are apparently like Black Tristar suits, and these guys have just inherited them. <laughs> well, what is what about Riddy? Is he a Black Tristar now? Probably. I'm sure there's some manga adaptation that has him like taking a dead body of one of the black tri-stars. <laughs> like, he's, he's secretly one of their sons. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so <laughs> unit two thinks that um, Jared is the pilot, but it is Camille. Camille is the pilot of unit three at this point. Um, and instead of helping unit two, he decides he needs to go over and um, and threaten this guy that that beat him up earlier, and like it's it's like a creepy scene. You feel somewhat relieved that Camille doesn't just murder this guy in cold blood, even though he very much tries to do so. You can't well, it, see that shooting a Vulcan cannon like down in somebody's general direction isn't like <laughs> I don't think he intended to murder the guy, but he was definitely like, ha, fuck you. And he was like stomping around him and I'm like, he's gonna kill this guy. Yeah. So what really happens though to get him to leave him alone is the Agug has Kakrakon surrounded. Kakrakon is the pilot in unit two. And they do say his name. So uh, not jumping ahead. And they you know they they see unit three, which Camille is in, they don't know if he's friend or foe. And he's like, no, I don't like the Titans, and I'll prove it to you. So that's when he smashes Kakarkon's unit into a building. Maybe he might have killed people in the building. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, only a handful. Nobody cared about those guys. Yeah. No. Yeah. So. Yeah. Quad Camille tells Char, he's, he's like, I'm on your side. Fuck these guys. I don't like them. Uh, I don't like the Federation. I don't like uh, the Titans. I'll help you. Um, so yeah, he, he extracts the the, this, the pilot out of mo the of the unit two, um, and then we go we get a, a flash to Roberto um, getting he's I think he's missing an arm at this point um, on his Rick DS, um, but he's he's like taking on a ton of GMs, um, and he lands at Camille's house or near Camille's house, so we get to see Fa very like briefly again. 
It makes, um, it makes Camille hesitate a little bit. And he's like, do I really want to just fly out of the colony with these guys? There's Fa. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. I just want to make one note that I glossed over because I was double checking it to make sure I wasn't going crazy. But that dude's name was Kakrakanka Cooler. Yep. <laughs> what a great name. Um, yeah. Yeah. So as, as Scotty said, Camille hates everybody. So he's ready to leave the colony at this point. He's just like an angsty teenager. Immediately defects. Yeah. Immediately. Fuck this. <laughs> oh, you, you, you're leaving? I'm coming with you. <laughs> I'm gone. Who needs this? Um, so we get to see Captain Basque. Uh, he, he is just eviscerating the Unit 2 pilot. Um, and then Bright shows up and he's like, why the fuck are you doing all of this training in a civilian colony when you have a military colony nearby? Um, and Basque takes this opportunity um, to uh, just knock Bright out. Like, not knock him out, but beat the shit out of him and tell him the Titans have a different set of rules. Um, and basically, the Titans announced, you know, hey, yeah, we may be an offshoot of the Federation, but we're above the Federation. Um, so fuck you and the high horse you rode in on. Um, and they proceed to just, they, they show it. They don't show it on camera directly, but, uh, bright gets curb stomped. Um, yeah. Yeah. They put this in there just to show some tension between this is one of the only things you see early on that is highlighting any tension between the earth Federation and the Titans. Who yeah, are like an affiliated group, but trying to be separate, and the yeah, chain and is, gets murky. This is one of those things where, like, you have to remember this. You have to remember like di the dynamics of all these three groups that are going on. Or if you forget about it very briefly, then you're going to be like, "Why are these guys fighting? So aren't they allies?" Yeah, because Bright should outrank everyone in that room, and does in the Earth Federation chain of command. Yeah, but then they go, well, "We're just not going to follow that." Yeah. Um. So Shire and Camille escape uh, the colony into space. Um, they take the Mark, both of the Mark IIs with them. Um, and then we see Jared piloting Izaku um, and a few others chasing after them. Um, and I think it's, is it Shire that shoots him and with like one shot and just like blows his leg off? Or was it Camille that shot him? I'm sorry, what were you asking about? So Jared's piloting the Zaku, and I, I can't remember if it's Camille. I think it's Char, but one of them turns around and just shoots one one shot at him and just blows his leg off. And Jared's like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" Oh, I don't, I don't know. I yeah, don't. it's one of them. Um, yeah, so Jared's like, he's like, "These guys are legit." And then um, as they're escaping, we see a barrage of particle cannon fire sh showering and protecting. Um, Char and Camille and those guys and Apolli and Ricardo um, and just blowing up two of the Zaku units leaving Jared alive um, and they just keep Camille and his group start heading off into space um, and we have like a little brief montage where Camille's like I feel so at home in space um, the only thing I have to note is in the anime they say that it's 30 minutes until he gets to where they're at. And in the movie, it says an hour. 
Yeah, I noted that too. But otherwise, the second episode stuff happens. I mean, almost all of it happens just a lot faster. Yep. Uh, total runtime for the first two episodes in the movie is uh, 18 minutes and 30 seconds, which probably sounds like a lot for a compilation movie, but it is right at the start. Um, just wait until we get to episode, uh, I think it's three or four. I think four gets maybe like two minutes. Wow. <laughs> And then it just bleeds into another one, and then I'm like, oh, 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 okay, we're here now. All right. Yeah. You're, so you're saying you liked the compilation movies? That I, yeah. Look, the so here's movies my, aren't bad. The thing, the thing that I, I have to say, assume you have seen the show already. Yeah. So compilation movies are not bad if you've watched the entirety of the series and already know the plot. <laughs> so, the the biggest thing to me that was weird about the compilation movies was the jarring new animation on top of like the 20 year old animation. Right. Like, cause you go from like, you know, Zeta is not an ugly show. It's, it's not the original series by any means. Um, but it's still old. It's not perfect. It's not, it's not even like 0083 quality. It's yeah. like older. But then you get to like this brand new animation with CGI and stuff like that that they just like throw a random like ten or fifteen second scene on. It's like what what the fuck the colors the color palette changed and everything. Yeah, apparently the second two movies aren't quite as bad about it. They're in fact almost mostly all new stuff. But the um, the thing that doesn't help. So Zeta, when I watched on Blu-ray, it's in four by three. It's pillar boxed because that's yep. how it was made, and it looks really great considering its age you know it's from 1985 and it looks very good it was on tv so it's not like it got a giant animation budget for everything but i think it holds up pretty well um yeah it looks a lot more dated now than it would have 10 years ago or whatnot but yeah it, it holds up pretty good but then when you watch the movies they have cropped stuff down to 16 by 9 and it really pops the grain yeah like so does. the old animation looks worse in the movies than it does on the blu-ray where it's the proper aspect ratio and i don't know i mean it almost looks like they added film grain to parts of it like it's weird yeah it's 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 super ugly ugly. it's one of those things like what they did with star wars where they took a bad copy of it and that's that's what they worked with (laughs) you never know yeah all right um anything else No, the only thing I wanted to know, I uh, was talking about the animation a little bit. When I first started watching it, I was coming into it thinking chronologically, like, oh, this is going to be as old, almost as old as Gundam, and it's going to look terrible, and I'm going to have to just deal with that again. It looks, If you think about it from the fact that it came out almost right after the original series, it looks great. Yeah, it's almost like they had, like, a generation technology jump, you know? like It, 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 looks, it looks like a lot of the 90s animated stuff, even though it was in the mid 80s. Well, so what happened in between the original show and Zeta is Reagan's shit that allowed American companies to start having their animated toy advertisements. So G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, My my Bottom Bitch, Transformers, <laughs> um, you know, all of that stuff started happening. And who do you think made those shows? It wasn't Americans. They might have wrote the scripts. They might have done the voices. 
um, but it was studios in Japan, Korea, China, uh, wherever they could basically pay labor as little as possible. Um, that's who made those shows. And there was some demand for a higher quality, not dramatically, but they wanted a higher quality um, than, you know, what you would see in something like Mobile Suit Gundam or going back to a lot of the 70s, like Mecha Super Robot Anime, um, because they, they needed that. They were like, we're not going to sell toys if it doesn't, you know, needs to be eye-catching. Yeah, it needs to look at least good. Um, and a lot of those studios are, like, gained a lot of experience from that and used a lot of those techniques. And uh, there is actually some bleed over, a direct bleed over with Zeta Gundam and Transformers. And, and one day we'll get there. If you listen to my Transformers podcast, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you're like, oh, great. Trivia that every Transformers fan knows. Good job. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is definitely like a step up. And Double Zeta is basically the same quality. Um, a little bit well, more. Came, it came out right after. I mean, yeah. I mean, they, they, they yeah, it was a, Season two. <laughs> it is, in my opinion, proper and appropriate to look at Zeta and Double Zeta as one long, almost 100 episode series and not two different things. I know that it's a very jarring change when, you, you know, change over. But I mean, if it was like a seasonal anime, there wasn't a break. It just one right after the other. No breaks. Yeah, I imagine that would have been jarring. Very jarring. But but the important part though is Double Zeta isn't an anime, so I mean I, I don't know. Maybe you'd stop. You know, you felt like you have to stop watching at that point. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's not anime. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks for listening. We will catch you in about two more weeks. And uh, feel free to reach out to us. Give us any feedback, questions, or comments that you may have. And um, if you are a boy with a girl's name, we want to hear from you. <laughs> we, we we did hear back from some people that liked uh, Nina Purpleton. I still have questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I really want to know why they feel that She's way. The of, oh, Nina seems fine, but I haven't watched in a very long time. My only response would be, "Go watch it." Yeah, very much. Yeah, you might just be remembering pretty just, blonde loving, but there's no interpretation of her that's good. <laughs> She's so bad. <sighs> All right, see you in two weeks. Thanks, guys. <laughs>